Here First is sponsored by UCS Healthcare, proudly delivering healthcare services across Iowa, specializing in mental health, substance use disorder treatment, and medical care with a special focus on LGBTQIA plus healthcare. More at ucsonline.org. Today is Friday. It's the 24th of February. This is your first from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Lots of news regarding the civil rights of LGBTQ Iowans out of the state house yesterday. An education proposal from Governor Kim Reynolds is advancing in the Iowa Senate. Among other things, the bill restricts teaching about gender identity and moves to restrict access to some books in school libraries. IPR's Grant Gerlock has more. The governor's bill would make gender identity and sexual activity banned topics from kindergarten to third grade. It would require a parent's written consent to check out a book if it was removed from another school's library. And a parent would have to agree before a student could change the name or pronouns they use at school. Senator Amy Sinclair, a Republican from Allerton, says the main idea behind the bill is to empower parents. They are the ones ultimately responsible for the care and the education of their children and that as a government of the state, we are going to support them in that endeavor and nothing more. Opponents of the bill say early discussions about gender identity are important to prevent bullying and that restricting access to books banned in other districts gives one group of parents power to decide what other people's kids should read. LGBTQ students, parents, and activists told a House subcommittee yesterday that a bill advancing in the Iowa legislature would protect teachers who disrespect transgender students in their classrooms. The bill prohibits schools from disciplining teachers who call a student by something other than their preferred name or pronouns if they use the student's legal name. Andy Sutton of Ankeny says that runs counter to another House proposal that says parents can give consent for transgender students to change their name and pronouns at school. This bill implies that you only want to honor some parents' rights, not all. This legislation not only ignores the notion of all parents' rights, it continues the marginalization of trans youth. Representative Heath Stone, a Republican from Forest City, says the bill is meant to defend teachers who hold different views on gender identity. The bill was passed on to the full House Education Committee. And House Speaker Pat Grassley says House Republicans are considering legislation to restrict gender-affirming medical care for transgender kids and teenagers. State health officials say starting in April, they will no longer require positive COVID-19 tests processed in clinical labs to be reported to the state. Officials say they feel this type of reporting is no longer accurate. That's due to the increase in use of at-home rapid tests, which are not required to be reported. Starting on April 1st, the Iowa Department of Health and Human Services COVID-19 reporting dashboard will be replaced with weekly respiratory virus surveillance reports. Cities across the state are in the middle of budget season, and city finances are tight for the upcoming fiscal year due to a state accounting error that's caused major losses to local property tax revenue. IPR's Zachary Orrin-Smith reports on one proposal to hold an increase in police funding. Iowa City Police has 78 sworn officers and a budget of $16.4 million. City Councilor Laura Burgess proposes rather than filling outstanding positions, the city should reallocate funding to programming that prevents crime rather than dealing with it after the fact. When I know that we're in one of the tightest budget years that we've had in a very, very long time, um, I want to be looking at are we you know, maximizing the use of those funds for the safety of our community. The proposed city budget would increase police funding by nearly 6 percent, an increase Burgess is encouraging council to reject. 
She says this $1 million could be spent on affordable housing or helping victims of crime. The council will vote on the budget March 21st. And today marks one year since the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and experts from across the Midwest are gathering in Iowa City tonight for a panel discussion about the war and what it may be next for that region in the world. Tonight's panel discussion will include experts from the UI, including universities in Illinois and Wisconsin as well. It starts at 515 at the Iowa Memorial Union. It's here first. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Bringing bison back to the prairie transforms the landscape in ways that may well make it more resilient against climate change and benefit other wildlife. Celia Yopis Jepson of the Kansas News Service reports on a rare three-decade study by scientists at Kansas State University. If you have an image in your mind of what the prairie looks like, it might be a kind of ocean of swaying grass. And that's exactly what I saw when John Blair, a biologist at Kansas State University, drove me down a dirt road in the Flint Hills near Manhattan. Well, it's what I saw to my right. To my left, the prairie looked totally different. The sheer variety of plants was striking. And if you look across the road, we have one side of the road that is not grazed and another side that is grazed. Grazed by bison. Giants that can weigh up to a ton and pack away 30 pounds of grass a day. They're a boon to biodiversity, making room for legions of wildflowers that they don't eat. Magnets for bees and butterflies. In the fall, for example, when the monarchs move through here, there'll be hundreds to thousands of them out here as they move south on their migration. Fences on the Kansa Prairie Biological Station control where the bison can go and where they can't, so that K-State scientists can study their effects. The number of plant species in grazed plots has doubled. John Blair, he directs this research station, continued my tour. We saw lots of buffalo-sized ponds, or, or puddles really. They're called bison wallows. Bison roll on the ground, and over time, they leave indentations that fill up when it rains. This supports other critters. You know, spring peepers, frogs, uh, uh, dragonfly nymphs, aquatic insects will live in these. So, okay, you get more plant species when bison are around. What's the big deal? Biology professor Zach Radizak is one of the study's authors, and he says climate change is the big deal. The projections are that we're probably going to have more intense droughts. It also looks like we might have more periods of very high rainfall in between those droughts. And it's difficult to predict what kind of organisms can cope with this new form of variation. Some plants are not going to fare well, but in richly diverse grasslands, like where K-State's bison live, maybe other species will expand to fill the gap and shore up the food chain. By having a broader portfolio, the chance that we have one of these winning species in the future gets higher. North America once supported tens of millions of bison. Settlers and their descendants nearly drove them extinct and replaced them with barbed wire and cattle. Cattle are related, but they act differently and may eat more of those wildflower plants that the bison ignore. So the K-State study found that putting cattle on prairie grass boosted plant diversity, 
but not half as much as bison did. Now, K-State scientists are not saying you should eat bison instead of beef, but this person is. Yes, at this moment in history, buy bison meat 100%. Joseph Gazing Wolf helps direct the Tallgrass Prairie Preserve, where 2,300 bison live. It's on the Osage Nation Reservation in Oklahoma. He says climate change is here, and it's too urgent not to act. At this point, it would be very important for us to incentivize the switch from the cattle industry to a native food source, right? Which in this case would be bison. Gazing Wolf is quick to add a caveat. We have to be careful in saying, just reintroduce bison and then everything will be fine, right? Um, Because then you'll have a bison industry that takes off and becomes incredibly environmentally destructive. If I overgraze with my bison, it doesn't matter that they're bison. It's still poor management. But compared to beef, bison meat remains a niche market, a tiny sliver of what Americans eat. So some groups, like the Nature Conservancy, which owns the Tallgrass Prairie Preserve where Gazing Wolf works, are working with cattle ranchers to try to get smarter about grazing the prairie and hopefully boost the biodiversity benefits of their herds. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Celia Yopis-Jepson in Manhattan. The Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. A lot of collaboration happens between it and Harvest Public Media, which IPR News is a part of. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. You can find this podcast wherever you subscribe to them. Thanks for listening.